Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Get a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis, I'm your host This is MJ Network, in memory of my sister Marsha Joyce And we're calling you from Cloudy Westchester, but it's going to be fantastic. And we have the author of Murder Forgotten, Deb Moore here. Juliana Burke is a best-selling mystery writer. She has a secret that's closest to her hiding in the world. She's losing her memory and her and a powerful gift for storytelling that propelled her to fame. But when her husband is murdered, things tense up, and she wants to know why. So Deb Moore is here, and this is going to be so much fun. Good morning, and welcome to MJ Network. Thank you, Fran. It's such an honor for me to be with you. Thank you. I'm so thrilled that you're here, too. I have to tell you, Partners in Crime does the best toys in the world, and I'm on one right okay. now for my crazy sci-fi book, and let me tell you, they keep me busy, which is great. So, Juliana yeah. is a great character. You write, I have to, I have to ask this question, because I ask this to everybody, uh, you write standalones only, or do you have a, a series also that I haven't seen yet? Uh, yes, I have a series also. This is my first standalone. Um, oh, nice. My... I, my writing started uh, with a memoir because I had left journalism after 27 years and became oh, pastor nice. of a went to seminary and became pastor of a church for homeless people. And so oh, nice. my first, yeah, my first book was telling that story because it was it was something. <laughs> and so then after that, my my publishers in England. And he asked me if I would write a sequel to that memoir. And I said, no, you know, I've always wanted to write murder mysteries. And so he said, well, okay, we have a fiction line. And uh, so I wrote that, and he said, make it a series. And so that's what I did. And there were three books in that series. And it's a newspaper reporter uh, who kind of teams up with a homeless man to solve mysteries because homeless people – see things in their mm-hmm. towns and cities in ways that no one else does. You are correct about that, and I can't tell you how many mm. books about that I've read a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, that that is that's interesting. Yeah. But murder forgotten. Yeah, so, wait, we're not gonna we'll tell them that you know the meaning of the title later on. But how did you create the character of Juliana? And as a writer, what about your own writing did you incorporate in Juliana's? I liked her. Yeah, good question. Well, when when I was doing the series, uh, you know, I made the the character a newspaper reporter because that's what I had done for 27 years. And her one of her best friends was a pastor to homeless people, which I also knew a lot mm-hmm. about. So I think you always write what you know. 
So mm-hmm. when, I, when I turned, I wanted to write something darker this time. If in Murder Forgotten is certainly darker than the than those mysteries, and I came up with Juliana because I don't know about you, but I my memory is like Swiss cheese now, and mm-hmm. I was meeting so many people through the church. You know, people coming for help, people worshiping with us. Uh, I spoke a lot in, in the city uh, where I live, in, which is Greenville, South Carolina, and I was just meeting so many people and forgetting names and just trying to come up with tricks uh, to remember names. And so I thought, now, wait a minute. What if somebody was a really famous mystery writer and they started having severe memory problems? You know, and so that's how any book starts. You know, what if you kind of think of a premise and then, okay, what if that happened? How might that play out? So Juliana came, you know, sort of as I, as I was thinking about myself, as I was go entering the next part of my career as, as a, a, a full-time mystery writer. Okay, what would I do if my memory started going? And so that's where, you, you know, you just leap off from there. Well, to tell you very honestly, my husband hates the fact that I forget nothing. It's scary. <laughs> I know. I, and, and and because of what my mother did when I was younger, I, I could read your book and tell you it when I was done from cover to cover. He gets he doesn't like that. And I met him uh, 23 years ago, and I can still tell you what he was wearing and what he ate for lunch. <laughs> oh, my. It's yeah, there, well, yeah. There's, a, there, there's a point in the book where Juliana expresses almost that same opinion because she wakes up every morning and cannot remember that her husband has been murdered. And as she has to learn that all over again, she says something like maybe remembering is not all it's cracked up to be because she's absolutely devastated over and over again as she remembers that. Well, I don't forget anything, but sometimes I just want to forget, just toss it in my brain and go forget that it's not worth remembering. So, oh, I know, I know. Uh huh. So, how did you decide on the setting, and what happens when we learn about Connor and his death, and why does it seem to why does she they they think Juliana did it or her assistant? She wouldn't do that. Okay. Oh, they, I okay. Don't so. uh, the setting the setting is uh, two parts. One of part of it is set in Sullivan's mm-hmm. Island. South Carolina. That is one of mm. our islands, uh, which which is uh, a it's a resort sort of. Uh, yeah, I mean, people get rent houses there, but it's much more of a community. A lot of people live there and own houses, and then it's connected by a little bridge over an inlet to Isle of Palms, which is a bigger uh, rent rental place. Well, we had gone to Isle of Palms. Oh goodness, probably for twenty five years. So it was a part of our coastline that I was very familiar with and I was very intrigued by. So that was why I said it on Sullivan's Island. Mm. And then the the other part of the book is early in the book, Juliana's assistant whisked her off to the eastern coast of Scotland. And where I got that was my husband is a big golfer. And so back in 2014, I think, um, he, I had a sabbatical to write my first mystery book. My, my board of directors at the church was very supportive of my writing, and so they gave me a sabbatical. And so I, he had always wanted to go over to Scotland and play golf with the, the locals 
And But he said, I want you to come over so I'll have somebody to eat dinner with every night. So finally I said, okay, I'm on the sabbatical. I can write this book anywhere. Now's the time if you want me to come. And we went over and stayed in a condo in Crail, Scotland, overlooking the North Sea. And that was where I wrote a good bit of the cantaloupe thief. And so I incorporated that into Juliana's story that she and her husband had bought a house right on that same seaboard, and that's where she had written some of her books. And so, so that's so the, the book is split between those coastlines. It's really the chilly coastline of Scotland and the very warm, humid coastline of South Carolina. Now, why do people I can feel the temperature just, too when you're writing? Uh, yeah, it too. I can feel it. Yeah, oh, good, thank you. Well, and then your other question was, why did they suspect Juliana? Um, yeah. Well, because because she she suspected herself. She really could mm-hmm. not remember what she had done, and she knew that she went so deep into her fiction when she was writing stories that she kind of would forget where she was and she would kind of come to sometimes and she would be in the cemetery down the street or she would be on the beach or she would be on the battery in Charleston and not remember how she had gotten there. Almost these fugue states and they, they called them Juliana's wanderings. And she told the story over and over when she spoke to book clubs and everybody really sort of thought that was the secret to her success that she would mm-hmm. go into these these states and come up with plots and ideas that she could not access during her just normal day-to-day life. And so she was afraid that what had happened was she had gone into some of her fiction and thinking she lived in that book had killed her husband. So that oh that's the idea of, of why they thought it could be Juliana. Well, we're not going to tell them who it was because that's what I said. Oh, no, no. <laughs> now, this this was real. This part really got me because I know people that actually live in communities like this, not me, of course. Um, the people on the island, there's a whole lot of them, and why do they have each other's keys, which makes it really oh, easy yeah. for somebody bad to get in. And Absolutely. Mother, well, that, that's so yeah, scary. That is, I, mean, I wouldn't have... Well, I don't think that's just island. My, my, uh, some of my neighbors have my keys. That's oh, just, no, not you know, here. I live in, <laughs> yeah, well, see, I live in a, a suburb, a very safe suburb in Greenville, South Carolina. And, uh, right. yeah, I've several, you know, I've given my, my keys to several of the neighbors and I have theirs because we're always locking ourselves out or we need to uh, watch each other's <laughs> pets because uh, a lot of times they would hire my children when my children were growing up. They would all hire my children to come in and take care of their pets, and so you know, of course, they all had keys, and uh, yeah, yeah, we just we did a whole lot of that. That was nothing unusual. No, I learned how to do it. We got locked out one day. The super has our key, but it wasn't around, so I figured out how to do it with a credit card. How to open up the door? Oh my! <laughs> I, you know, you got to be resourceful around here. Now, my mm-hmm. other two favorite characters, because my brother has a rescue dog is Annabelle is a great dog, and so is Maxie. Uh, I love, well, yeah. my, my, my brother's dog is Bella. I call her Bella Bella when I see her, and she loves me because I'm the only one that's going to sit and scratch her back and put up with her spoiledness. She's so what, cute, what, what kind of dog is it? A, a Rottweiler Boxer. 
Oh, okay. She's okay. She's 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 so cute though, but she you know she jumps on you when you walk in, and the other, last time I was there, I said you know you're gonna break my foot, little little dog. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But you know she won't bite or anything. So Annabelle is a great dog, and so is Maxie. But why did they find it odd that she didn't bark when the killer came into the house? Well, and why Juliana's sh- study? Yeah, if you, well, okay. If you've ever had a Shiba Inu, which is what uh, Maxie and Annabelle are. That's a Japanese breed, and they are sort of related to the Akita, and everybody knows the Mm. Akita. Nobody knows the Shiba, and Shiba in Japanese means little dog, and they're not very common in the the States, but we got one, and they are just not – it turned out to be they're not the greatest pets in the world. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm sure a lot of people have have dogs that are better than ours, but – she, we have an Annabelle. That, that's who that's based on. We have a Sheba named oh, Annabelle, nice. and and she barked at every leaf that fell uh, off a tree. She barked at every bird, every squirrel, every child that wandered into the yard. So they, that's what they're known. You know, that's part of their. You know, anybody who came to the door, they would bark like crazy, including us. You know, when we would come in, they would jump uh-huh. on us. She would jump on us and bark, and so. So that was very uh, unusual that somebody managed to get in the house without Annabelle barking. It just, it wouldn't have happened. And so that's what they had to figure out. How in the world did somebody get Mm -hmm. by Annabelle? And your other question was what? Oh, Um, Yeah, right. Was she asleep? You know, what happened? Uh Oh, yeah. Why was was the study? Why was the study used as 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 where the murder took place? Well, you know, it had to be somewhere. And I thought if it was (laughs) Juliana's study, um, then you you had the question of was the killer really after Juliana and stumbled onto Mm -hmm. the husband instead? So I was trying to raise that question Mm -hmm. by having it done in her study. Uh Uh-huh. Now, there are two characters we have to learn a little bit more about. Margot was her assistant, and at times uh-huh. we begin to wonder if she's good or bad. And tell us about mm-hmm. Renata also, those two. Okay. Okay. Margot um, was uh, a, a she was a young girl, about two, I can't remember how old I made her, I think early 30s. Um, and she had been, uh, had gone to college, down at College of Charleston, and wanted to stay, and so she had been uh, joined a wedding. She was like a wedding planner, and if you know anything about that <laughs> down there, uh-huh. that is big business in Charleston. Because uh, as a pastor, I've gone down and officiated at weddings in Charleston, and oh my goodness, those are major events. So anyway, she, and, and it requires a whole lot of. Uh, uh, of, of organization and savvy. So anyway, Margot had been a wedding planner, and the uh, Juliana's husband had seen her at work when they went to a wedding, and so he had hired her away as a Juliana's assistant. So, so the idea was, you know, she had only been with them a, a couple of years, and you know, she certainly was in her circle, so she mm-hmm. certainly, you know, could be a suspect. Renata was um had been Juliana's agent and early mm-hmm. on in her career and then she had gone to work for her publisher 
and so was sort of a, this New York agent slash, you know, liaison with the publishing house, and, and we worked in the publishing house. So she would fly down occasionally to check on them, and, uh, you know, just as, you know, because she was such a, uh, Juliana was one of the premier writers in that house, certainly, but also in the whole country. Just, you know, when she had a release, it was like a J.K. Rowling release or a Gillian Flynn release. And so it was just big stuff. And so you had a lot of interaction between Renata and Juliana. So what is the significance of 190? And why did the last pages seem odd to Juliana? That was really interesting. Okay, the 190 was nothing at all. I just, I, I think mm-hmm. that was about, she was about halfway through the book. And yeah. that was what I wanted, that that the publisher had something they really wanted to say. They they could see mm-hmm. that how good the book was, but she was only about halfway through and she got stuck. Um, so that was 190. And then, um, I'm sorry, what was the other question? Why did the last pages seem odd to her when she read them? She didn't believe oh. that she wrote them. Oh, oh, right, right. Um, what I have done on occasion in writing murder mysteries is I will have a scene in my mind toward the end of the book, and I, I'm I'm writing toward it. And sometimes I will even try to write out a little bit of that scene. So I know mm-hmm. what I'm writing toward, and also so I can plant clues. And so I have Juliana do that, and she has um, gone forward to the the the, uh, the murder scene in her book. And so when she's uh, as after Connor has been killed, and she's reading back over it, she finds that scene, and it just does not read right it reads Mm -hmm. clunky it reads it doesn't and she's puzzled by it she knows she must have written it but it just doesn't look right and so that that is a clue and i I don't want to say any more without giving it no i don't you know the sad part is that you know doctors can really mess up your life or not or you can mess it up yourself and you don't realize you're messing it up or somebody else can mess it up for you so she oh, yeah. was taking she was taking ginkgo, and when she stopped taking it, which was smart that she didn't tell anybody, her mind started to improve, which is great. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, um, her daughter Logan, right, was better. Right. Somebody wanted to really get her out. So why did Logan finally tell her, take an interest in her, and tell us about Harrison? So why did her daughter okay. finally want to go with her to the to the doctor, which is a good thing because. I spent a lot of years doing yeah, that, um, my mom. Well, what what I was trying to do was uh, my tendency <laughs> is to write characters who are all good. And mm-hmm. that, um, as I was reading darker and darker thrillers, I, I was thinking, okay, mm-hmm. I need to work on putting some flaws into my characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I tried to do with Juliana was show – she excuse me she was not the world's best mother mm-hmm. and she uh both Harrison and Logan had felt a certain i mean they certainly were not abused they were you know they had everything materially 
but they knew they didn't really have their mother's attention. She, um, number one, she had her husband, and number two, she had her writing career, and they definitely came number three, and they knew it. And so I wanted to write Logan and Harrison in ways that showed that. Logan, I think, very much felt kind of hurt and insecure in her own artistry because of that. Harrison just sort of became an entitled jerk. Um, But (laughs) both of them, you know, I think were showing uh, sort of uh, a a little bit of – of what had happened with, with, you know, not so great, you know, not terrible parenting, but just a little bit of mild neglect. And so that was what I was trying to do there. So when, when the, when Juliana really sort of goes off the deep end and they almost Mm -hmm. have to step in, um, and and that's what you see happening, uh, you know, and and Logan sort of resents it and is very Mm -hmm. happy when Margot takes her mother off to Scotland so she doesn't have to deal with her mother every day. So so just some of those kind of unspoken things that I think a lot of people deal with but don't want to voice. You know, I really don't want to deal with my mother, you know, kind of things. And and so just just trying to plant some ideas like that. I know there are a lot of people like that. I think the the most sure. horrific thing that somebody said to me when I was walking out because I did like I said I did it for 10 years. And one of my mother's so-called friends that I stopped talking to said, you would be wise just putting your mother away, then you wouldn't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, well, I'll tell you what, I'll call your son and daughter in California and ask if they could do the same for you because my mother's not going anywhere, <laughs> but maybe they'll send you somewhere. I didn't even hesitate uh-huh. to answer. Yeah, you don't start oh, wow. with this girl, no. Uh-huh. So why she, starts, she starts to go with her, but Dr. Fritz, hmm, has some secrets that he was hidden. Tell us a little bit about about Dr. Fritz. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Fitzgeralds live next door, and they have for 30 years, because that's the kind of people, yeah. uh, that, you know, Sullivan's Island is a very close-knit community, and um, if you live down there, you know, in all of South Carolina, you know, a lot of times your families go back generations and generations and generations, and um, a, a lot of our little towns and cities will, you know, complain uh as new people move in, they'll say, you know, I'll never be accepted here <laughs> um, because, you know, the, the old guard can be sort of closed. So the, the Fitzgeralds and Juliana's birth family uh, had, you know, were old Sullivan's Island. They had been there forever. And Dr. Fitz was a, um, a, a very well-respected doctor in Charleston and they had taken their old beach house because Sullivan's Island is a mix of old, creaky beach houses that you don't find much anymore because the hurricanes have have wiped out a whole lot of the of those houses on our coast and and forced people out. And what has been rebuilt are mansions. And so, but Sullivan's Island still retains a lot of those old beach houses alongside beautiful, big, multimillion-dollar beach houses. So the Fitzgeralds had completely redone theirs, and they had this big mansion right next door to Juliana's very creaky old, you know, Mm. 50s beach house. And so 
her children wanted her to do the same thing. They wanted her to renovate, and she just never would do it. And that, so that, I'm just setting that tension up that, and so, you know, Logan finally at some point realizes, you know, in Sullivan's Island, her mother can just still be Juliana, mm-hmm. you know, the same kid that she was running around and biking on those streets, whereas anywhere else she goes, she's just this huge celebrity. And so, you know, Logan realizes, okay, well, being in this old house just kind of allows her to be the same humble person she always was and not this big celebrity. So there's just that tension I'm trying to set up with the Fitzgerald's house and her house. Yeah, well, considering that she thought she was losing her mind, she had to have places around her that she recognized. So if they move her someplace oh, yeah. else, she might forget where she is and get more or less than she already is. That was Absolutely. one of the things. Uh-huh. So tell us about her relationship with Meg, and what does Logan learn from here from Sonny? Okay, Logan and Sonny. Okay. Yeah, Sonny is the um, is a neighbor who lives across the street, mm-hmm. and I try to I try to you know paint. Uh, to bring several of the characters who just are neighbors, uh, are, you know, to mm-hmm. into uh, kind of three three D, and Sonny um, goes from this just very uh, affable, gregarious woman to after the murder, she's just hiding out in her house and she's drinking mm-hmm. too much and she's scared and she's losing weight. And you know something's going on. Clearly, she and so that's why I don't want to. I don't want to give anything away. No. But clearly, she's you know something's happened, or or the murder has scared her. Something has gone on to change her. And Logan's you know just trying to figure out what in the world happened there, and did it have anything to do with the murder? When Juliana realizes she's getting worse, she decides to speak to the sheriff. Why? Um, well, the sheriff was an old high school friend, as as often happens in in our South Carolina cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I see a lot of my old high school friends. One is the mayor of the city, you know, just their their. Uh, uh, well, he's a college friend, but yeah, just so so we we do that all the time. We run into our old high school friends, and she knew that this man would would level with her, and so she wanted to know. Um, you know, she wanted him to know certain things about the murder and what had gone, you know, and just her confusion, and she wanted to mm-hmm. know what he knew. And so, you know, there's just a comfort level when it's somebody mm-hmm. you know, as especially law enforcement, as opposed to a complete stranger looking at you. Well, this is this part that's interesting and really dangerous, people. Um, her mother saved articles, right? And the articles she used were in her novels. So how did what did she how did that help her? And who was Martin Engler? Hmm. Well, uh, Martin Engler was a the um, the protagonist in Juliana's story. What this yep. ends up being is a book within a book, because mm-hmm. my book is called Murder Forgotten, and the book that Juliana is writing is called Murder Forgotten. And when uh, Logan goes to stay at her mother's house um, to watch out for the dog while, while her mother's gone to Scotland, 
she discovers this file uh, that she just never realized before that her that that readers sent her mother real life articles mm-hmm. that her mother then you know changed dates for you know locales details and 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 made into books and and Logan was just really surprised because she never realized that some of those were taken from real cases and the where I got that idea is because I've read a lot of books that in the and I always read the acknowledgments and the the writer will say I took this from a real case in New Hampshire or Maine or and so that just made me start thinking okay what if that case had never been solved, and what if, um, you know, somebody read this and recognized it? And so, you know, just bringing that piece into um, in, into the whole thing. Did that have, was it something in their personal life, or mm-hmm. was it something in Juliana's professional life that, you know, just sort of, you know, that's how we do this. You know, we throw out lots of clues and lots of red herrings. Mm-hmm. And lots of possibilities. That's interesting. So tell us about the plot. I mean, how did Martin Engler act it out? Um, in Juliana's book, um, there was a uh, the oh boy, yes, this is complicated. <laughs> um, the real case, because I don't want to give too much away. No. Um, but the, the Juliana had had uh had a reader had sent her a story about a real case out in New Mexico mm-hmm. about a um uh, about a murder I and, and I don't want to say too much about it but anyway about a, a, a about a psychiatrist mm-hmm. who had murdered a pay his patient his or her patient and you know, and and why that had happened in real life, and so Juliana was intrigued by that story, and she adapted it, and that so Martin Engler is her, is her psychiatrist character, and she co- develops a plot as to okay, why would a psychiatrist, uh, perhaps, um, murder a, uh, a, a patient, and and so she's working on that. And you know she worries then that she she goes so deep into the story that she starts mixing it up with reality. You know, could I have mm-hmm. killed my husband as I was writing the story of the psychiatrist killing the patient? Well, that's true because people with Alzheimer's often lose track of reality, and I found that find that uh, most of them have like long term memory. Their short term memory is is where it goes. Ah! Absolutely, absolutely, yep. they do. Uh huh. Yes, and you know, know, it turns out she does not really does not really have Alzheimer's, but nobody no, knows because it sure it sure looks like it from you know what's happening and you know and but but then she'll get a little bit you know yeah that's that's part of the mystery what the world is going on with her memory. Yeah, well, when she when she stopped taking something, we won't say what, she started to realize mm-hmm. that there's something not right here. Um, yeah, and and uh, yeah, and a lot of people, you know, yeah, and I don't think that's no big secret. I don't think, you know, I pretty much telegraph yeah. that that yeah. um, that something's going on, yeah, with the, with her medications. But um, but yeah, but but you know what what is what is going on and who's behind it? That that's the mystery. 
Well, we're not going to tell them what the mystery is, but you kind of guys got to read this because yeah. this is really good. And <laughs> I want to tell you some of the books that I've gotten that I just like snooze pill. What can I say? Oh. But for those people that are waiting to find out, I actually finished the 600-page medical book yesterday, and the author thinks I'm a genius, and I wrote a great review, so that's all I really care about. It was it's called Trenches in Medical Trenches in Medical Healthcare, and it's a good resource. So I actually took me two weeks oh to read goodness. it. Well, it's got a lot of people, <laughs> and the font was small. Oh yeah, boy, I, yeah, I didn't know you reviewed things. I mean, is it a textbook? Sort of. It's the, the doctor wow. Alejandro Badia. Uh, the publicist asked me to do them a favor and read it, and I w- it was doubtful that I would, you know, you know, something like that is hard. It was really hard. Oh yeah. Get right. Yeah. And he said that I was the only one that got it right, so I felt really good that I that I did it. And um, I have a whole bunch more inside that are interesting. I have one about a transgender. The author is not transgender, but he felt that he wanted to do it. It's called Drac- Dracula, Dracula, Dracula with a G. So that's my next thing. So yeah, I, I, they, don't, know, they, I don't know how y'all y'all read as much as you do. That's just uh, that amazes me. Um, it amazes me too sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> and and get your and you get your own writing done as well. Sometimes, yeah. I'm writing the next one. I'm, my book is called What If, as uh, Cheryl knows. It's it's like a Twilight Zone kind of thing. What if you lived in my world? Would everybody start wearing masks and realize what's happening in this one? The next one's called, and I started it yesterday, 5,000 words I wrote, but what's next? And the world that I created, what's next, you don't want to live in. So hopefully, You wrote you know, 5,000 know. words in one day? Yeah, because I just sat down and did it. Because when you get in one of your moves, you just sit down and write. That's it. I wrote wow. it. Wow. I probably you should probably will you know tear it apart and I just give it give it to my my editor and say you fix my mistakes because I don't deal with grammar and stuff like that and I'm a writing specialist and I go like Maxine this is your problem not mine and she wow. everything yeah yeah but I, I don't think I've ever written more than two thousand in one day well that's because my niece started me off with writing a thousand word essay to help her write one for school which is, took me about ten minutes no big deal so. <laughs> So if if they did, would they have realized that she had dementia with the pills? Did they realize it? And what kind of uh, research did you do for the medication in this particular case, or research in general? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I had a um, uh, one of my college friends is a pharmacist, mm-hmm. and oh, nice. so I, I I emailed her and I said, okay, this here's my here's my setup. I need some drugs that would you know cause this mm-hmm. and this. And so she led me to the Benzo family. And um, that that are used in in surgery, and they uh, that's very much a side effect is you know memory loss, and so that was what I was looking for, and, you know confusion, memory loss, and all that, and uh, yeah, so so she's uh, you know taking um, it, well it started out she did have some very mild memory issues like I was talking mm-hmm. about I have in the beginning you know just yeah. that. Uh, and, and and those are those are very real things. I would uh, I had learned at the church that because I met so many people that I, I would and they would come up and they would start talking to me and if I was just quiet long enough, they would inevitably drop a hint, you know, uh, a husband's name or their name or the you know the church they were from, and I would then then I would have a clue and I would remember who they were. 
and and about that would happen a, a lot of the time, really, probably sixty or seventy percent of the time. And by the time the conversation ended, I would know, you know, I would have their name and and know very well who they were. So um, that's what I had. The characters helped Juliana that she was having just those mild issues. Mm. And, and Connor and Margot would step in to help her and give her hints and clues and repeat names and stuff like that. And so she had gone to Dr. Fitz early on with just that very mild. And he said, well, you might try ginkgo, you know, and fish oil. You know, some, mm-hmm. some people say it helps a lot. Some people say there's no effect, but they certainly can't hurt. And so that's how it all starts, that she's very, she's taking these very benign you know, supplements, but then, then it goes a little deep, deeper and darker, yeah. Now, I have to backtrack for one second. You know, there are people that have happy hour. Now, that was the fun part of this book, too. So, um, yeah, it's about happy hour and who came and why no one realized that she was a little out of it. She was <laughs> able to sort of fake it, too. That's so cool. A lot yeah, of people yeah. do that. Sorry, wait a minute. So, you, 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 have you never heard of happy hour? No, I do. I've never been allowed to go to happy hour. But my, oh, my, my, my mom. I, I tell you, my mother didn't let me do a lot of things. That was one of them. Okay. Drinking well, was happy no hour good. Is, yeah, happy hour is simply, um, you know, anywhere from 4 to 7 o'clock where you get together for a drink. And mm. restaurants have happy hour menus and, you know, ha- you know like half-price wine. Um, you know, you might, you know, your neighbors, uh, the beach. Some somebody at the church had given me a um, a little sign that I had on my door that said Sunday morning or something like join me on Sunday morning for happy hour, you know, which was obviously we weren't drinking on Sunday morning, but you know it's just a play on that. So anyway, especially at the beach, um, you know, a lot of people have happy hour. So mm-hmm. in there in that little community, because Margot, it turned out, had worked at some point as a bartender. So she oh, had nice. all these great drinks. You know, she had frozen pina coladas and sangrias, watermelon sangrias, and she could just mix up all these fun cocktails. And they would invite all the neighbors in um, spring and summer and fall. Well, there had what had happened in, in February, there had been a – and this happened, uh, I guarantee you, even in Greenville, not to mention the coast. And by February, we have a couple, a few days that are like summertime almost. There, you know, a day will just go up into the 70s, and we will all look at each other and say, "This is why we live in South Carolina." And so that had happened down at, at you know Sullivan's Island, and there, and they had done an impromptu happy hour the day mm-hmm. before Connor was killed. And so as the detectives were looking at the murder. They were looking at all the people who had been there for happy hour because it had, Renata had been down um, and, and about eight or nine of their neighbors, including the Fitzgeralds and, and just all, you know, all these people, and Sonny and all the ones you mentioned and Margot, and just, you know, just say, trying to see, did something happen during this happy hour? Did, you know, did somebody say something? that led mm-hmm. to the murder the very next day. And so the um I think you ask uh let's see, you said why Oh oh yeah, that why she couldn't remember. So yeah, and during that happy hour 
already they were noticing mm-hmm. that Juliana was really having a hard time keeping up with the conversation. Which you know, they mm-hmm. were, and so Mark and they could see Margot and Connor kind of jumping in and help, reframing questions for her, giving her time to catch up. And so almost all of them noticed that during that happy hour. Well, before I forget, because otherwise I'll forget, I'm doing something extremely different next week, and I think this is really fantastic. Uh, Pastor Michael Jones is coming on on Monday, and we're going to talk about, this is totally because I, I learned a lot. He's, we're going to talk about the seven uh, habits of highly effective Christians, but the chapters are very, very family-oriented. Mar- yeah, I'm learning a lot, let me tell you. And he's really a great person, so I said I would do it, and I learned a lot. And on Wednesday, if you heard the lead-in song, Trinity House Entertainment Inc., Rachel and Michael, their music is unbelievable. You have to listen to this. It's so beautiful. We're going to talk about two songs, United We Stand, and the new one is called Why Do We Wait? Why do we wait for something terrible or tragic to happen before we tell somebody that we care? And ah. there's a lot of messages, yeah. I, you know, when you feel like you want to just go ah and scream, uh, yeah. yeah. I sit down and listen to their music. On November yeah. 2nd, I am totally honored, D.P. Lyle is going to be here with Rigged. On the 10th, Lee Matthew Goldberg, the ancestor. On the 12th, I have a panel show. On the 16th, DP's coming back with Prior Bad Acts. Uh, Christmas Carol Murders on the 18th. And on the 23rd, none other than my favorite person in the universe, John Land, Murder in Season. And that is just November. December, well, we have no idea. This show is, <laughs> is, this show is, is booked till the end of February, and I've got a whole bunch in May. So you never know. So everyone has secrets and lies. This is really cool. And there's truth. There are a lot of affairs going on in this particular little community. So how do these how do these happen and how does it change the lives? And who is Brit? I liked her, by the way. I liked Brit a lot too. Um Me too. she uh that Brit is uh Logan's best friend and she's a mm-hmm. doctor up in um uh D C and she's uh, just finishing up her, her, her residency and coming down to start work. And mm-hmm. she doesn't even show up until till late in the book. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and so, and that was, I, I really, that, I, she, she showed up when Logan needed her <laughs> very much. Mm-hmm. And so, but you're right. No, everybody has secrets. And I think that's how, yeah. um, that's how any murder mystery is built, any, uh, TV series, you know, that's that's uh, mysterious. Any any um, any movie, you know, that you you find everybody's hiding secrets, but you then have to figure out which ones are relevant and which ones are just obscuring the truth. Mm-hmm. And so so that's what um, yeah. And I have Britt say something about you know in your comment about the, all the affairs going on. Um, yeah. Who knew this was such a patent place? And then I realized, okay, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Are readers going to even know what, you know, readers younger than me, are they going to even know what that means? <laughs> and so I had to have her, I had her explain that, you know, because she was only in her 30s <clears throat> and that, you know, she, how how did she know what patent place was? And uh, so, so yeah, but you're you're right in, in a, uh, you know, because that's just sort of, 
an obvious uh, secret that people want to keep, and does it or does it not have anything to do with the murder? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Now, this is really even cooler. You know, killers don't really care how they kill somebody. If they don't find one thing, one thing doesn't succeed, they're going to find another way to do it. And if they don't get it done one way, somehow they don't get it done. They'll get it done another way. So if the killer had not succeeded and realized about her meds being tampered, with this killer, we're not we're not even going to mention the name of the person. We're not even mentioning their certain characters. Um, would they, this person have found another way to do it? Maybe. Was she? So oh, de- I think you know, so. He or she de- was he or so. she determined to kill poor Connor? Poor guy. Um. Yeah, yeah, I can't say much about that without revealing too much. But, but yeah, but I do think uh, he or she would have, because uh, he or she had a lot to lose, a whole, you know, a whole new life that he or she Mm -hmm. had built up, and uh, this, uh, yeah, this, yeah, what what was going on in, in Juliana's household was a threat. To him or her, <laughs> and so yeah, I, th- I think I think they would found a way. That's so sad. Now you, we said before, you said before too. This is a book within a book. So uh-huh. who is Marissa Eskew, and how does her story compare with Martin Engler? What are the similarities and differences? Um, uh, Marissa Eskew, the uh, is the uh, real real. Real case, the name of the person in the real case yeah. that Juliana is basing, and so you know Martin Engler on. So so and like I say, she 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 always changes things. She changes uh, you know man to a woman. She changes uh, New Mexico to uh, Charleston. She you know just uh, and 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 I had uh, there's another uh, one of her other books, Logan discovers. Had been a, um, a a a mother who had killed her daughter in Raleigh, North Carolina, and she found all these articles uh, about it, and and then realized Juliana had set one of her most famous mysteries um, had changed had had changed the characters you know to a son and changed it to Charleston and all this, but but had used that idea. Um, from from that, so it's, it's so so. What I talk about a lot in the book is life imitates art, imitates life. So you know, it's, it's you know, almost playing with okay, what is real and what is fiction, and you know, and what happens when it when it intertwines. That's scary. That is scary. So how did you create the final scene that brings the killer face to face with Logan, but we're not going to tell how or what happened? How did you create that? Because I was getting like, oh, oh boy, I, I went, I, I, I did that, and it was short. It was sh- it was too abrupt. And my, mm-hmm. my, I have a writers group, and we, um, of my, some former con- colleagues at the newspaper, and they said, you know, I think early, you know, you need to probably stretch that out because this has been so long in coming. You know, you you can't just okay. This is you know here here's the killer. Bam 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 bam. And so I, you know, I stretched it out a little bit, and then I stretched it out a little bit more, and then I threw in. I still, you know, I just kept going back to it. You know, it's one of those things you just you. you if I read that scene once, I probably read it 
a hundred times, and I would change things, and um, and then I even threw another suspect in. Uh, it, it, it's very, very late in the game, um, you know, into that scene uh, that wasn't there originally. And so all of it was just kind of designed to draw it out. And then uh, my editor, uh, way late, way late, even in, in the editing mm-hmm. process, decided, uh, told me that they did not think that it was um, – the the weapon used, and I don't want to go too far here, was not menacing enough, and so I changed the uh, that is mm-hmm. wielded in that scene. So, so you know, it's almost a, uh, it, it's just, you know, you do it, and then you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you do it again, and do it again, and do it again, until it feels mm-hmm. right. My uh, My daughter lives in California, my younger daughter, and she uh, is one of my earliest readers. And so she had read like the first manuscript, and then when she read the book just a few weeks ago, when I mailed her a copy, she wrote back right back, and she goes, "Oh my gosh!" She said, "I had forgotten parts of that final scene," and she said, "I loved it." And I said, "No, you didn't forget those. You know, a lot of that stuff was new." And she said, "Oh, okay, good. I'm glad I'm not losing my mind." Um, but yeah, but that's just you know that's just the way things are, and, and it ends up being kind of a a team effort. You know, your your readers tell you what didn't work, your editors tell mm-hmm. you what's not working, and you just improve and improve. I just send it to Maxine and say you fix it, and then tell me what I did wrong. <laughs> one, I'm, I'm terrible. No, okay. Once I once I write it, I don't even read it, and then the last book oh. I actually read what I actually read what if, and I actually like what I wrote. But I get, I'm getting mixed reviews. What can I say? I got seven, oh, no, six, I, 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 five, I, I, six, five-star ones and two four-star ones. Oh, what could you do? I was disappointed. They didn't say they didn't like it. I think it's because it was only 78 pages because I didn't do extra large print to make it 100 pages and pay more money for well, more the, but the rating, the, But the ratings of four and five, that's excellent. The, the writing was really good. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. It's different. It's very different, I and mean, the stories are made up for the most part. Usually I write from the point of view of the dead person behind the gravestone. My face is behind the stone series. Some of those stories are actually people that I killed off that are real because I feel better about it. So you, you just never know. <laughs> so so you, you, you've you used real cases before yourself? This, 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 the, what if it's all made up? I made it up. Um, uh-huh. The only story that could be really real is that how you feel confined in this type of environment and what happened. And the story about the supermarket would scare anybody. What would you do if you went to the supermarket and you needed to buy extra food? So your daughter went one place and you went the other and you got arrested because you bought too much food because you only allowed a certain amount of ration. I'll just That's the only part I'll give away. Wow. I'll tell you. <laughs> there, there are days I just wonder about myself. <laughs> So, <laughs> so we what all, did yeah, Logan? We all do, that. <laughs> do you do you see yourself using any of these characters in the next book? And what's next for you? Oh, uh, I don't think so. A lot of people have asked, but you know, you never say never. If uh, it, you know, you, I just I don't know. Um, I'm I'm writing now. I'm writing a totally different mm-hmm. standalone, and it's oh, set in uh 
in a gentrifying community, because I, I don't know what your area of New York is like, but a lot of places mm-hmm. down here, the homeless and uh, yeah, uh, people who've owned their homes for 90 years are getting pushed out, and the houses raised, and they're building four and five hundred thousand dollar houses there, and it's creating a real tension, and so that's the setting for my next mystery and you know so the idea will be um okay is it this kind of political mm-hmm. you know gentrification that's happening or is it something much more personal so um yeah and uh but and the, the other reason I don't know if if I would ever return to these characters mm-hmm. is because my publisher uh in England is now not taking any more new manuscripts oh well wow. and so yeah so you wouldn't want to go you know, in mid-series, try to find another publisher. Well, it's funny because well, I write horror, like you say, and I review for just about everybody that I don't know. And one of the one of the publicists loves me, so I emailed him yesterday, and I said, if I write this, um, would you guys take it? They're a publishing company in England. They publish horror and scientific and my status. So he said to me, he gave me the link to pu- to publish it, to you know, to send it the manuscript when I'm done and he said to put his uh-huh. name on it that he'll he'll make sure that it gets done, I hope. But at least it's something. Because my publisher well, said wait. that she was too she was too busy to do anything and I said, you know what, some for time for a change. So we'll see what happens. Oh so, yeah, good luck because you know, as you know, this is a horrific Industry. Yeah, I know. You know, it is just so hard. I and know. even even you know, I've got I've got friends who even had major New York publishers for one or two books. Yeah, and then, and then they stop. Then they yeah, they won't. Yeah. Not only uh-huh. that, they're not sending the books out. Um, I have uh, Tom, the one that's doing Tom Clancy, Mark Cameron, and Iris Johansson, and a whole bunch of them. And they said, "Why didn't you read the book?" I go, "Cause they don't get it. I didn't get it." I mean, it's like twelve wow. books I'm supposed to get. Yeah, they they're not the post, oh. and it's not my postman's fault because my postman loves me and he puts them in my mailbox. The UPS guy brings it to my door, and the USPS mm-hmm. guy brings it to my door because I said you want uh-huh. a nice, you know, they love me. So anyway, before we go, where can we learn more about Murder Forgotten and the rest of your books? And then if you do this, you're going to have to do another tour with Cheryl because you know definitely it's worth it. They're fantastic. Ah. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh, my website is www.debrichardsonmore.com mm-hmm. And we and, can find uh, you on yeah. Amazon and all over the place, right? Because I found you on Ab- Amazon oh, this ab- morning Oh, absolutely, yeah uh, yeah. But you can also buy right from my website You can buy from your indie bookstore websites uh, mm-hmm. Just, yeah, any any way you want to get it Now, my review is going to be placed on Amazon later as soon as oh, I thank am. you, I, Fran. Thank and you. And my review is on Just Reviews, and there will be 27 stars like usual. I haven't been giving five stars in a while. It's really, you know, getting to me that I didn't haven't been giving five stars to anybody. So when I come back later, I will, you know, give you your ten stars. It depends on Amazon's mood as to whether they, you know, <laughs> tell me right away they love me or they don't right away where they love me. Yeah, they usually – I've been getting a lot. It's really weird. I got a lot of uh, – yesterday – about 20 people on Goodreads said that they like my review that I wrote about three months ago on another book, and they go, okay, whatever. That's really nice. It, it makes you feel good that somebody at least likes what I'm writing. And then there's those oh, people yeah. that tell me, yeah. that, you know, your review is too long. I go, but there's no spoilers, and if you think it's too long, do yourself a favor and don't read it. That's all. 
yeah. But I oh, want to yeah, I had, this... I had one, uh, one doing yeah. spoiler, and boy, that that just that your stomach clenches up when you read that. <laughs> that gets me upset. But you know what? Yeah. It happens um, once or twice. Somebody said to me, "Could you do me a favor?" Because my review standard stated it, rated it, written, and they said, "You know, this sentence really, you know, could you take it out?" And if they politely asked me to do it, and it's a spoiler. Yeah, I'm going to take it out. I don't want it there. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't write oh, negative yeah. reviews. I never write anything nasty or negative. Um, if I don't like a book and it's not three and a half, four stars, I won't review it. I'll just tell the author. Ah. I will give you a summary. I don't feel it's right to take anybody's work that works really hard. And I might not like your work, but somebody else might. Because I know uh, the very first Absolutely. Faces Behind the Stone yes. book I wrote, I got a whole bunch of four stars and five stars and, you know, three and a half. I don't care. But some girl gave me two stars because she said I couldn't, I didn't understand the book, so I didn't finish it. I said, so why did you bother to post a book? If you don't understand it, you should have asked me. I'll explain it to you. It doesn't take, take rocket science to figure out there's a dead person mm-hmm. telling the story. So, mm-hmm. you know, Amazon wouldn't take it off, but I don't care. You, know, you can't, oh, you yeah. can't have everything. Yeah. And I guess oh, you know yeah, what happens if you get too many five-star reviews, they begin to wonder, you know, did she pay yeah, somebody? Oh, yeah. No. I, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah, no, I, I don't mind bad reviews. Um, I, you know, I feel like that that's part of it if you're putting yourself out there. Yeah, I know. And I've gotten some odd ones with this book. Nothing, you know, awful, but nothing great either. You know, some of them were like, oh, we love the book, blah, 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 too bad it's so short. Or um, how come you didn't uh, make it one? <laughs> because I didn't, I, I didn't care. But I want to thank you so very much. And, oh, um, thank you, Fran. I just, this has been fun. Thank you, everybody. It's a little cloudy out there, but it's 64 degrees, and it's kind of foggy here. But that's okay. It's not going to stop me from going out. Deb, thank you so yeah. much. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thank you, Brian. Bye-bye.